Hello and welcome to the Scottish Football Forums podcast. I'm once again joined by my co-host, Hello Laurie. Yes, welcome you are to the Scottish Football Forums podcast. Uh, I look, uh, look back and look ahead in terms of the SPL and the Scottish Cup and uh, some big news that's just coming to us today or yesterday when this will be getting broadcasted, Craig. Aye, some... Some big, some powerful news coming from Rangers. Uh, we'll discuss that in detail, I think. Or, uh, we'll or get, not so much in detail. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> Joining us on this podcast is a regular, Chris. Hello. Hi, Craig. Hi, Laurie. Good to have you back, Chris. And good to be here, sitting here on my jelly and ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> and... And back this week is uh, Sick Note Greg. Okay. <laughs> I tell you what, you miss one week out of about a dozen and you're, you're labelled Sick Note for life. <laughs> Good to be back, lads, fighting fit. How was the spa? Spa was, fa- spa was fantastic. <laughs> the, ma- the massage I got off the big Swedish guy was, it was even better. Was his hands not too rough this time, no? Not perfect this time. You know me, Craig, I like it a wee bit rough. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> moving swiftly on. <laughs> ah, so the, well, the, the big news today was uh, Rangers have filed their intention for administration with the court of session, which, although it was it was expected by by many that administration would have been the one of the avenues for the club to go, it's still pretty big news that they've made this step, and I think they now have ten days to to make it official. So right now they're they're not in administration, but they've made their intention clear. So Chris, there's been celebrations in in some parts of the the Celtic fan base. How do you feel about it? Are you joining them? Are you joining in the the jelly and ice cream banter? Ah uh, well, despite my opening gambit, I think uh, I'm going to hold fire at the moment and wait and see what happens next. I think I get the impression this is a a last ditch attempt at getting a a settlement with HMRC rather than a full move into administration. I think HMRC might not negotiate, uh, depending on what their actual aims are. I've got a nasty feeling they're not actually aiming at Rangers, they're aiming at other clubs, and they think Rangers are a test case. And if that's the case, I think there's not going to be any settlement. Uh, HMRC will be looking for the win against Rangers in the court. And if that's the case, administration awaits. How... um. I know that the figures always quote is forty nine million, which obviously includes the late fees and <clears throat> charge and well penalties, charges, whatever you want to call it. How is White saying that it could be up to seventy five million? Where's this additional twenty five, twenty six million coming from that he's saying it might be? Does anyone know? Yeah, that was a that was a surprise to me when I heard that. Because that was White himself that. who said that, wasn't it? It wasn't. It wasn't yeah, just. Oh yeah, it was White. Yeah, I've heard. I've heard many figures quoted. I've heard uh, as low as I think the original bill was thirty, and then it would maybe reach fifty with add-ons, uh, interest, penalties, whatever. But yeah, I've never, never heard anything as high as seventy-five, even from the the most negative uh, forecasts. No. Nope. Yeah, could could it be possible that he's just trying to paint as bleak a picture as possible on the back of this news that's out there today? Who knows where where the seventy five million's been made up from? But if he if he if he makes it clear that that's the sort of level of um, level of penalty they're looking at, then perhaps it softens the blow for a lot of people to sort of chuck their hands up and say, "Oh well, it's it's inevitable." Some of the rumours were that White had to do this now to keep himself as 
one of the um, preferred creditors and they kind of top the list when the asset stripping might start. So I don't know, you know, it depends what your thoughts on Craig White are, but he's kind of got a, a history of, when you when you saw that kind of TV show on him, he's got a history of taking on companies and liquidating them and making something on the assets which he acquired. I don't know. Is that? I a... think it, it could be a risk, but see, unfortunately with this, I don't know a lot about the, the legal side of things, but if they do go into administration, is it not seventy five percent of the the creditors have to agree to a like a, a pence in the pound deal, and for this to occur, Craig White has engineered himself to be the the major uh, creditor, so he could be maybe be in the driving seat. But as I say, I, I'm no expert at all in this. So. We'll see on that that very point. There's a lot of discussion on the forum. If you want to join in, then obviously it's just forums dot forums dot uk. There's too much on there for me to kind of delve into all, but one reply was the <laughs> aptly named Billy Boy, and um, always seems a slightly confused sort of name, but it's Boy, B-H-O-Y, <laughs> so his, funnily enough, his allegiances actually don't lie where you might initially think they do. He says that insolvency law that dictates that a CVA has to be accepted by 75% of the creditors, that is creditors who are owed 75% of the overall debt which is obviously what he's saying there, but he then says, as HMRC are owed over 25% of Rangers' overall debt, they can block any CVA. Um, the idea that they're going to accept hee-haw is as deluded as the one that Craig White is an honest Joe whose name is being undeservedly besmirched by a Timmy propaganda campaigning that has taken over the BBC. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, there seems to be this idea still with a lot of Rangers fans, and I, I honestly don't know, I'm no expert in what, how this can go, that oh, this is good, you know, we'll take our 10-point deduction, we'll have to cut back and HMRC will just have to take, you know, 50p or whatever is left after everyone else goes and that'll be it. But surely it can't be It can't be as simple as that. And knowing a lot of things I've read are that it's not as simple as that and the HMRC aren't going to accept football clubs basically giving them very little. So I don't know. I mean, I... I I'm no kind of expert on this whatsoever. And I know that the rules are that, bizarrely, that obviously the footballers will get paid primarily and things like HMRC are down the list. But it surely can't be as easy as Rangers getting all that pretty much wiped, can it? Yeah, as far as I'm aware, when they go in, if they go into administration, which is still if at the moment. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's still an if. Still. Um, if that happens, then it comes down to the administrators running the club day-to-day and trying to get rid of the creditors by paying them off to some satisfaction of those creditors. So we're looking at selling off maybe some of the players if they can do that, selling off some of the assets, just using whatever they can to get those creditors clear. Now obviously if Craig White's a big chunk of those creditors then uh, a lot of it will be down to him. But as you say, the HMRC thing could be the, the real sticking point. And the problem then becomes if they can't pay off the creditors to their satisfaction, the next thing happens is you start folding the club. Well, that's what I was thinking. Surely that if it came down to HMRC, it came down to a standoff where they're not they're not pleased with what they're going to get. Rangers say we haven't got anything more to give. Then surely it would be a case of, yes, you do. Liquidate it, sell the land, sell the stadium, and then give us that. Would that not be what it would come down to? You go, well, if you can't afford to stay as a club and give us it, then you need to sell everything, i.e. your stadium, everything you've got, and then give us that. 
I think HMRC would be entitled in that situation to go and recover any monies due to them by any means necessary. It's the same as, as you and I, if you don't pay your income tax, I mean, they'll, they'll send the sheriff officers out your door and take your TV away. I don't see it being any different for Rangers in terms of, you know, obviously the ground would be sold and whatever assets they currently hold would be sold as well. But, I mean, at the moment, if, if, if Craig White is painting himself as the main creditor, then that might well be the case. But like Chris was saying, surely this just depends on what happens with the HMRC debt. If, if the tax case goes ahead and it's found um, not in Rangers' favour, then surely HMRC then become the main creditor by view of the fact that they owed the most money. Now, I don't know if it's as straightforward as that, but if that was the case, then it completely changes the game a wee bit, and that they would be they would be liable to, um, to receive their money first before anybody else, including Craig White. Is the time enough? This interesting that the the transfer window is just closed, and you mentioned there that the administrators, when they come in, they'll be looking to to really sell any of their assets to, to pay off the creditors. Well, selling a player isn't an option until the, the window reopens at the end of the season. And I can't see any clubs coming in and saying, yeah, uh, we'll give you, we'll buy a player off you and we'll give you the money up front now before we even get the player. Another thing, we, I know like with, well, Greg will know better than me because obviously it's his team with Motherwell. It was pretty much what the entire first team almost at the time was just, Put out on their on their backsides, weren't they? Because they just couldn't afford. There was to... um, there was nineteen nineteen players released um, from the not just the first team but the a second team squad mm-hmm. as well. And primarily it was um, four or five of the sort of major earners, guys like Greg Strong and, and Carol Reddy, who were paying five and six thousand pounds a week. Two of those those guys had their um, had their, had their contracts ripped up because again these these were deemed as being not necessarily can they sellable be... assets. Can we they couldn't have moved the from can the administrators do that then? Because obviously, generally, you couldn't rip up someone's contract because you'd be owed for the rest of it anyway. But can... well, then you just if you get your contract contract ripped up, you then become another creditor. Um, right, yeah. The administrators, certainly from the time at Motherwell, the administrator who came in, a guy called Brian Jackson, was tasked with um, keeping the club keeping the club running because that was deemed as being the only way the creditors were going to receive anything out of this. And I think I think the final deal was ten pence in the pound, but he was tasked with the job of of pretty much running the football club and from that perspective he made the call on um, which players were released, uh, which ones we obviously kept because they were deemed to you know, be value for money and potentially have have a sell-on um, value later on. Guys like, like McFadden and, and Pearson and, uh, and Hamill and all these guys were kept on but there were other players who were deemed to have been probably been overpaid for who they were, not necessarily their fault, but players that we couldn't necessarily sell on in the future for any money. They wouldn't have generated any funds for us in the future. So the decision was taken to move them on along with a lot of sort of um fringe players and some of the some of the sort of um youth team players as well. Just purely just to reduce the, the wage bill. There was also there was administration staff um, went as well. Quite a lot of the office staff went in the same um the, the, the same period of time. So my understanding is and I know the rules have changed a wee bit, but my understanding is the administrator that's appointed um, is, is sent in there to run that football club and attempt to broker some sort of deal with the, with the creditors to allow the club to continue rather than, as we've said already, go to the wall. See, one thing I, I did put it on the forum because I was trying to, basically because I don't know the ins and outs of administration, but I posted a link to a blog which was from 2010. I don't know if any of you saw that when Portsmouth, it was a, sort of a yeah. Q&A on administration. The one thing was, one of the questions was, so it's administration, it can't get any worse, right? And uh, the answer was um, 
it can get much worse. <laughs> Going into administration is one thing, getting out of it is the trick. I did mention the percentages. A CVA, um, which is what I've mentioned before, is a company voluntary arrangement, um, which is a deal between, the obviously, the creditors and the company, if we've not made that clear. It requires the backing of 75% of the creditors based on amounts owed and usually will run from one to five years. So I'm presuming if it's based on amounts owed, then that'll be HMRC pretty much most of it, won't it? Almost in the entirety, won't it? I would, I would think so. If it's if it's 75 million, then I mean, I know there are also the possible debts to this ticketing company as well, but I think that's around about the 20 million mark. White said he's put 18 million in from somewhere, but I, I would think that HMRC would trump any of your creditors by a Well, I, I heard uh, somebody on the on one of the phone-ins earlier tonight, and he did seem quite knowledgeable on it, and he had quite a lot <laughs> of figures. To, well, he had quite a lot of figures at his fingertips. So he came out with something like fifty-five million coming into the club since White took over, and that's that may be based on on rumours or or partially based on facts. I, I don't know. How long has White been at the club? Yeah, uh, I, I can't remember. Maybe last exact, year, I think it was. Can't remember the exact. What date. would that be? Fifty-five million in terms of revenue and including ticket. Uh, what's it? Yes, like us. Yes, and including, including that White's initial money payoff. he's put in. Well, that yeah. that wouldn't be that inaccurate. But if you include the ticket us in White's amount, then that's not an awful lot for what a team that. What are Rangers? What's it costing to run to run Rangers? What is it? Forty-five million a year at the moment. I think it was forty-five. And then their their income was currently thirty five, I think. Well, if if you take yeah. if you consider that that's almost a year, and that fifty five million would take into account eighteen million, and then how much, however much the ticket us, then it wouldn't sound that unreasonable. But I suppose, like anything, you've got to. It's all object. It's all it depends how much the club costs to run, doesn't it? It sounds a lot of money, but if in that time range they're losing more. Also, I did just to point in this one, which was obviously about Portsmouth. It said, um, after the. 75% of the CVA said this place is a huge burden on the business but a failure to agree one will see further point penalties from the football league which means in England if they fail to agree with the CVA that they start deducting more points I don't know what the situation is in Scotland on that but what happens is that uh, I think it's 10 points per season from what from what I understand so it's a 10 point deduction uh, if Rangers do go into administration just now, and if they're still in administration come the start of next season, they'll lose 10 points next season. I don't think that the the points accumulate. No, not in the FPL each season, anyway. I think each season, SF- like you'd have 10 points deducted now, say they do go into administration in 10 days, and then if you're not out of it in August, or even May, I think it might be, it might be quite early, isn't it? If you're not out of it by next season, you've got another 10. It do- sure, they, did say, they did say... There's issues with Europe. There's issues yeah, that's, as well that's, because... that's the end of March, doesn't it? They have to be out by the end of March. Otherwise, they, they forfeit their European licence, which means, regardless of where they finish in the league, they, they don't participate in European yeah. football. Because Motherwell fans are currently cock-a-hoop the whole thing, because it would mean you know a, a third-place finish is, is, in essence, a second-place finish, which bumps you... Champions League uh, qualifier. ...up to the Champions League qualifier. So the third place in the league then becomes a massive... A massive prize if, if that if that was to um, if it was to go that way. Yeah, as far as I know, that if you're if you go into administration in the middle of a season, then you're still allowed to compete in Europe. But it's going into next season. It's going to be the issue, and they have to persuade the SPL that they will still be running come the end of the season. I, I, is it not even that? Is it is the European thing not not a UEFA 
thing will come to I've read two or three places today that they have to if they go if they go into administration, they have to be out by the end of March. Otherwise they will they'll forfeit their European licence. They simply won't get it. Surely they Rangers won't like if Rangers go into it, surely they're not gonna be out by by the end of March, end of next month. If it depends how quickly they can agree a deal though, because if if you go to your creditors and say, Look, if we don't get this sorted out for the end of March then we're not in Europe next season, so any money that we might make next season, which might then indirectly come to you, you're not going to get. And if, if you're talking about a ten million shortfall, that's significant when you're when you're looking at creditors getting paid back. This blog also mentioned, oh, after they said, oh, an HMRC almost always votes against them in football cases, and that's that HMRC almost always votes against the CVA. Generally, though, yeah. I think like with the Portsmouth, well, this is this blog. I mean, obviously, this is uh, Matt Slater's blog on the BBC. In the Portsmouth case, I think the HMRC was just a small part. I think their debt was like ludicrous, considering it's Portsmouth. But obviously, in this case, the, the difference with this one is if HMRC vote against it, then HMRC are surely the the main creditor here. Whereas generally, it's for instance when people compare it to Hearts. I, I, the thing with Hearts is what what who's the main creditor is the same person who who would be getting taken to court over it, wouldn't it? So I don't know how yeah. that would work. But that's a whole different ballpark. Well, it would be interesting to see the list of creditors because would Hearts not appear in that list? Are they not still due money? Yeah. Yep. And the United due money from a Scottish Cup tie, perhaps? Dunfermline yep. as well. Dunfermline. Yep. Whatever numpty at Hearts uh, agreed that could pay Lee Wallace up, up until 2013. I don't know what that was all about. Yeah, it's crazy. There is one other key point I'm thinking here, though. Mm-hmm. This is all assuming that the tax case goes against Rangers, which hasn't been decided. Oh yeah, yet. yeah. I mean, we're we're, so, we're speculating. Uh, at okay. the moment, we're looking at Craig White is very probably the major creditor and might even have the seventy five percent. So, is One. it possible they're going to go in and out of administration before the tax case comes in? Very quickly within One a week. Problem. So. One problem with the tax case is that if Rangers do win, then HMRC are going to appeal. And I understand that they're allowed multiple appeals, and the noises coming from Craig White is that yeah, they'll never stop appealing. He, <laughs> yes, they would never and stop he's going to deal with it. He's going to deal with it. Uh, so see, see, Rangers do win. He's still going to try and strike a deal to end it now, because in his interview on Rangers TV that I watched earlier this evening, he was talking about. Uh, he's mentioned this before. He's talking about long-term sponsorship. Uh, long-term clients, maybe who used to pay a season up front, are now paying week to week. Uh, suppliers are, are now wanting paid in advance rather than uh, a credit line. And he says it just makes uh, the running of the club more difficult. And if they do win the tax case and the HMRC appeal, that just drags on and on. So I think so there will be a deal. Way. Yeah, I think there'll be a deal done, uh, whether they, they win or an attempt at a deal being done if they lose. I've heard that the HMRC aren't, they're trying to make a point of this now in the last couple of years. They're not going to be just given the kind of scraps of what's left, especially when it's in terms of football clubs who spend a lot of money. People think inflated money, especially on players' wages. I mean, the fact the HMRC, if they're owed the money, you know, people would see it as the country's money. You know, we all have to pay our tax. Stephen Whitaker gets his 22 grand a week ahead of the government and the, the country getting their money. Seems a bit bizarre, doesn't it? And I just think if I, th- I can't see how this move isn't is isn't Rangers trying to persuade them to go into to settle. 
I I can't see HMRC just losing. The, I can't see him losing the case. I don't know the exact details of it, but it doesn't seem like a move from a company that thinks that they're about to win the case, does it? To me, no. But then uh, there is the other sort of mystical story of the Phoenix Club, which I'm not entirely sure what the details are, but apparently it's what Leeds United did in 2007. Yeah, they sort of dissolved the old club but kept a parent company which had all the sort of the league registration and all the, the sort of players and stuff and it meant they just kind of built a new one out of the, the ashes hence the Phoenix Club term but they never, liquid, and, uh, they never liquidated Leeds United though did they? They liquidated something within Leeds United there was something that liquidated, I'm not entirely sure of the details I would need to go and look it up. Liquidation is proper would be things like Wimbledon or like Adrianians and they had to they had to basically that that to me would be a phoenix from the ashes would be AFC Wimbledon or Airdrie United, something like that, where they've actually they've basically had to start over and someone else took because it surely it, it surely shouldn't be they wouldn't be allowed to liquidate Rangers and take take the same players in the same position the same division it would surely be a case of the same. Well, that that's what Leeds United did. They dissolved yeah. what was they dissolved the old one that had loads of debt transferred everything across and then got an agreement from the FA and the Football League to maintain the position they were in. And I think that's what the, the, the next part would be. It would be new Rangers or zombie Rangers or whatever you want to call them. <laughs> zombie <laughs> They would be going in and trying to get the new, the SPL place that the current Rangers have and then that would come down to, uh, I think it's the SPL board would have to agree to that and then carry on from there. And of course, what is the SPL without Celtic and Rangers? Because half of the, what, the there's things like the TV deal say, we must have four Celtic Rangers games a season. Yep. Yep. But why would other clubs then, when they liquidate, have to start from the bottom of nowhere? Why would the FC Wimbledon and Airdrie United, why did they have to start completely over when they liquidated? Well, what, what happened, Airdrie did completely liquidate and just went... Uh, well, so I don't understand with the Leeds thing. I've, I've never heard of this before with Leeds, that they actually... I didn't know that... I didn't think Leeds liquidated as a club in 2007. I, I, I just, I don't really understand that, to be honest. Well, let's say I don't know the exact details of the Phoenix club idea, but there was definitely, Leeds United have managed to pull this off somehow. Airdrie United sort of pulled it off in their own way by going and just basically buying Clyde Bank and then moving them to Airdrie. So that was effectively the same thing because they got Clyde Bank's position in the league where uh, I think it was Gretna actually replaced technically Airdrie Unions who went bust. Yeah. I'd, I'd read the same as Chris, that there was a Leeds United 2007, which surprised me because on the face of it, I've not seen any difference in the club. But anyway, right now it's just, it's all speculation. Uh, all we do know is that they've they've made their intention for, Rangers have made their intention for administration. And but it's just a, a waiting game now. They're saying within 10 days, so I'm sure next week's podcast will have more. Maybe One something thing. concrete. Sorry, Craig. One thing that, that does interest me is the is a level of vitriol that's been directed at Craig White at the moment. I don't know if you saw the the video that's in the STV website. He was reading the statement out in the steps of Ibrox, and he was getting the roundly good and um, roundly panelled. And it, it it just strikes me as being a bit short sighted. These these would be the same supporters that would have been clamouring for nine in a row, and clamouring for the signings of Tori Andley Fraw and all these other guys. And it's you know it's been well documented. It's the previous board that have put the club into this mess, not Craig White. And okay, you can possibly, you can possibly target a wee bit of blame at Craig White, and he's he's been or he's been painted as being a a sort of pretty ruthless 
um, vulture, if you like, picking over the remains. But if he hadn't have done it, somebody else would. And the bottom line is, it's not his mess. This this seventy five million pounds is not his mess. So all these guys that are shouting and bawling at him, they take a wee step back and have a look at the previous administration and have a look at themselves. All those years and years and years of chasing titles and European glory, which has essentially just put their club right in the position that it is at the moment. Yeah, we don't know how it's going to turn out. And if you uh, if you listen to White, he, he seems to think that this is a, a positive move. This is this is going to be the the beginning of the the new Rangers, whether it's the, the existing Rangers or, or a, a brand new entity. But he seems to think this is a a good move for the future. I think it, I think it probably is, but I, I think Rangers fans need to accept that for the next three, four, five years, maybe a wee bit longer, um, they're going to be watching a team that is is not competing on the same level, certainly as Celtic. I mean, I, I can't see anything other than Celtic being head and shoulders above them from now until, you know, five years' time. And it's how many of these guys that are going to be prepared to come season after season and buy their season tickets and, you know, pay at the gate and buy their scarves. Because, I mean, I'm a wee bit older than you guys, but I remember I remember Rangers pulling crowds of 8,000, 9,000 back in 1984 when they were garbage. When? And if it goes back to those days... You know, was it in black and white? Was that in black and white then as well? Ah, That's back when Hearts could nearly win the league. <laughs> <laughs> it's even, it's even, it's even earlier than that. That's back when Hearts were kind of rising from the ashes themselves, was it? No, well, that's the thought. Uh, that's been about the time they they were coming out of first division. Back from the brink, as the the video I always used to have was called. Those are the days. Um, yeah. Well, my last thought would just be that yeah, I don't think Rangers ever go. I don't think Rangers there will never be. I think there'll always be a Rangers. I think, yeah, it's like you say that as to what extent that Rangers will be competing could be a, a far lower level than they're used to. But, you know, look at the Scottish League. What what were they going to finish anyway? Second? Don't know if they'll ever go much lower than that, will it? I mean, who's who's there to challenge them? Mullerwell? Hearts? We're crap, I mean, in comparison. So they... Well, that's the thing. One of the, the, the things that was pointed out today is even if Rangers get their 10 point deduction, sure, they're 14 points behind Rangers, but they're still second. Oh, yeah, they're, they're, they're gonna 14 points behind Celtic, even. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> no one's gonna, they're not gonna not finish second. I think, I think if they want to take their 10 points, well, that's, a bold, that's a bold statement there. No, I think, I think he's got some basis there. Daniel's cousin signed for us. Don't you forget? <laughs> ah, that's pending international clearance, which is a very is strange situation at the moment. It seems to have taken forever to get anything out of them. Surprisingly, a few Celtic fans seem to retweet my tweet earlier when I said that it seems that airlifting Daniel Kuzan and feeding him has pushed Rangers over the edge and they're now entered administration. <laughs> I don't know why Celtic fans retweeted that one. He's a healthy weight. Healthy weight. It was well padded, let's face it. It was a cold day. That's it, I. <laughs> Right, so yeah, yeah, I thought we'd move on to the SPL review, going back to not just the weekend, but there was a couple of midweek games, and on Tuesday there was Dunfermline against Kilmarnock, which finished one each. I went for a 2-0 victory to Kilmarnock because I think I'd mentioned that Dunfermline have got the badness and they wouldn't get anything. Laurie, you'd went for a 2-1 home win. Not sure why it's a bit of a strange prediction. Chris, you went a two-one victory for Killy. So did anybody watch the highlights? No. Nope. Uh, I seen a couple no. of them. I think well, there was a, it was a couple of decent goals. It was uh, uh, Lewis Toshney on loan for Celtic set up the Kilmarnock goal. Uh, Andy Kirk scored 
It's a pretty poor defender at times. I mean, uh, there was there was a couple of chances. Heffern and, and Kirk again both get guilt edge chances and they hit them at the keeper. Uh, I think the only other thing I seen in the game was a, a Pascali header, and that was his uh, last action of the season, sadly. Yeah, I saw a here, I. Well, I think we'll move on to the, the next game on Wednesday night. <laughs> what was the end? The end of the attendance was for that game. I was seven. Quickly find it there. Seven. <laughs> and a dog. <laughs> I was going to say because surely that's that's going to be a contender for one of the lowest of the season. I don't know. I Wait till Motherwell played on Firmwell next. Um, Steady. <laughs> obviously stoking us up ahead of the weekend, pal. Oh, I was going to say wait till Motherwell's next home game, but then I remembered it was uh, against uh, us. So, uh, Actually, to be fair to Motherwell, they were getting complimented for their away support at uh, St Mirren Park and they had uh, one. Scene on Sunday almost night. Almost a thousand. Almost a thousand made the trip. Something about they hold the other than the old firm. I think they hold the biggest away attendance at Rugby Park maybe some bizarre start like that park, isn't it? it's oh. like Rugby Park Chris he's, take, he's taking your title I don't know I'm never beating that one that is no chance that's a <laughs> cracker it might be total bollocks because it was on the <laughs> that's because Motherwell's such a dive that everyone just wants to leave so it's a good it's a good ex- you still you still coming through Saturday for a pint aye I don't know. Well, my mate was gonna, mate was gonna give me a lift, but I think he's worried about his hubcaps now. So we have to get the train. You come through here. I'll give you a lift, pal. Size nine. (laughs) So, like I I said before, always, always a warm welcome awaits you. Two thousand three hundred three. That was the attendance. That's actually not that bad for some final Kilmarnock. So on the the Wednesday night, it was Hearts versus Celtic. The the match itself finished four 0 to Celtic and what could be described as a humping. <laughs> In the predictor, I went for a 2-1 victory to Celtic. Laurie went 2-0 Celtic. Chris, you uh, you went for a, a 1-1 draw. But I don't think any of us expected it to be so easy for Celtic. I did uh, for the game. I said it would come to on the week. I, th- I, thought, we, <laughs> I thought we were going to get humped when I saw the team as well. It was just... Right, I'm going to object to the idea that it was easy because I went, the first... Half an hour of that game, Hearts were all over Celtic. Celtic had about two chances and scored them both. Oh, yeah, the, the ridiculous thing was, it wasn't like Jamie McDonald had nothing to do apart from do a rubbish star jump and pick the ball of the net a few times. But, yeah, I mean, we were just dire at the back, to be perfectly honest, which usually is our stronger point as the defending. It's usually the fact that we can't score, but typically in this game we did score, but we still couldn't score. And... Uh, <laughs> Just... I love I love when you you get a ball going over the line and you you see the picture in the in the paper that that is supposed proof that it goes over the line and and folk look at it and say I there's proof it is over the line and you look at the same picture and you're going ah that's not over the line regardless I think it, I think it was over the line it looked like it was over the line but I actually ended up ended up arguing with Hearts fans most of the evening because I said why is anyone bothering with it because for one doesn't change anything. We conceded four at the other end. If we'd scored, we'd probably just got beat 4-1. And apart from anything, I don't see how the linesman can decide that because you've got... You, you think his view along the line, you've got, for one, the post in the way, you've got the net, you've got two Celtic defenders on the line, you've got the goalkeeper on it. It's a split second, and unless he can be... Unless he can say he's sure that's over the line, I think you have to favour not giving it. Unless he can see it going over the line, and it's, it's so marginal. It looks like it's just... Sne- snuck over the line 
And fair enough, when it gets paused, it looks like, oh, yeah, definitely. But, yeah, real time, real time, you can't give that. And I think at the other end... I couldn't tell at all. At the other end, I would say the same thing. Yeah, um, it's hard to criticise the linesman when two different camera angles couldn't see the ball either. Yeah, yeah I agree, yeah. Uh, the, the picture I seen, I think it was in the back page of the sun, and you just, you couldn't tell. You're, you're talking about millimetres of a, of a difference, and it just, you couldn't tell. And you could stare at it all day and not get it right. Despite the bad defending by Hearts, I think that there was some good goals for Celtic. It was a lovely flick for Scott Brown in the build-up to the first goal. It was, it reminded me of Paul McStay, actually. Uh, it was really good. I mean, well, kid on Samaras meant to set him up. But I mean, Samaras set up for the third goal for uh, Ledley was just brilliant. But what was Ledley doing at the back post on Mark? It was, it was silly things like that, or just shooting Hearts in the, the foot themselves. Sal Yuka should play for Celtic. About my goals he gives him. I think I think you've said it before. He's he's always good for a goal for a start. Uh, always against Celtic. Three or four last time. It's just yes. he just thinks he's a footballer too much. Sorry, he is a footballer, isn't he? Well, surprises <laughs> surprises me sometimes that. But you know, just one of these centre backs who just go, just stay there. You're all right when you stand still and you just head the ball away. But he just wants to go charge up the field or take players on or just take more than one touch ever. Yeah, whatever. Sorry, the wee bit of the game, I did see a, 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 a sort of end of the first half, beginning of the second half. I thought Celtic looked, looked really good. They looked at the sort of form where they are, they're virtually unplayable. Um, I, I saw them take Motherwell apart at you know, Parkhead earlier in the season. It reminded me of the same sort of thing on the, on the Wednesday night. So as much as my okay, heart's are a wee bit shaky at the back just now, I thought it was a really good Celtic performance. So moving on to the, the weekend and the first game up, on Saturday lunchtime uh, was Rangers against Dunfermline and uh, the game itself finished 4-1 to Rangers. In the predictor, I wasn't too confident. I wasn't sure where goals had come from, so I went for a 1-0 Rangers. Laurie was just... Well, for a, for a moment, Laurie, you, your prediction did look like it was going to come up. Uh, you went for 1-0 Dunfermline. Chris went for 2-0 Rangers. I think the, the Dunfermline... Although they haven't won at home all season in the SPL, I thought they looked really dangerous in the, in the first the first part of the game. I thought they hit the post before they scored, and then when they scored, it was it was slightly worrying for Rangers because, as I as I mentioned earlier, I just couldn't see where the goals were going to come from. But I thought that it was a, a genius move from McCoy's putting McCulloch up front because he was well. Really he's not played himself up front. He didn't have any other option, did he? <laughs> not played he read it in the forum. <laughs> Aye. Somebody <laughs> in the forum definitely suggested putting McCulloch up front and got laughed down by most of the Rangers fans on the forum. See, the thing is, he's not played up there since maybe was it Wigan? Ah, he, played, <laughs> he played up front for Wigan. He played up front for Motherwell when he was a when he was a young boy. He used to lead the line at Motherwell. But I definitely, when he moved to Wigan initially, he played, played up front. So it was a bold move to put him up there, but I thought it worked brilliantly because get ahead of uh, us, he, used his, he used his bullying tactics quite well. It is, it is Dunfermline, but they put up a good fight. That's and I think that if we... Did, minutes. Let's I think if we didn't have McCulloch, then I think it would have been oh, a different game. Oh, it would have been a disaster. As, honestly, as soon as about 20 minutes in, I was like, this is going to be a few goals for Rangers, no doubt. It was The goals were just coming. Dunfermline just looked... Like they wouldn't have been able to hold out at all. I just thought it was just just rubbish at the back. And uh, although 
I would say I've no idea what the free kick was for for the second goal at all. McCulloch seemed to fall over. Yeah, that was that was never a free kick. I think I think he's it looked as though he twisted his knee and gone down. And the ref- and the referee's obviously just seen that he's wearing a blue shirt, so he's straight away <laughs> kicked. Usual. Don't think it would have made much difference so in the, in the grand scheme of the game. No. But yeah. I think Dunfermline had a good twenty minutes. Uh, they were maybe it's a soft shout for a penalty. Never. Just uh, just after they hit the post, very soft. Billy Dodds thought it was a penalty in Scotland. Billy Dodds a striker. That would have yeah, on his eyes, wouldn't it? He he was quite funny to listen to in the sports scene when. Uh, Sunday night actually because he was saying oh Rangers will be fantastic it's good to see them back this title race isn't over yet they'll probably uh, Dunfermline will probably deny the penalty uh, that was never a free kick and you start <laughs> thinking how much more negative are you going to be now? I don't know what Papach was doing for the Dunfermline goal not very much it was it was, was schoolboy for, for a guy who is, is going to find himself at that in that position so often uh, when he was a, a centre half and at left back and just to just to watch it Go to Andy Kirk. It was it was almost embarrassing for him, but I was quite impressed with Shellac when he came on. I thought that he had, I think he came on. His first touch was woeful, and I just thought, oh no, here we go again. But aye, he looked quite good. He, he looks like he's got a lot of tricks up his sleeve, so I think he could be a good addition to the team. It's a nice, uh, sorry, it's a nice finish from Aluko as well. He's uh, he's looking like one of the. Um, one of the better bits of business this season, he seems to be. Keeper, seemed to be keeper was nice rotten, though. Keeper was rotten. I like the description that was Luko picked out the top right-hand corner. I was like, what? I thought he hit straight through the keeper, but there you go. I, on Luko, Cam Shea on the forum says, hold my hands up, I've said uh, before that I was a little surprised and disappointed we were signing Luko, but how wrong was I? He's quite a handful and has been our best player in nearly every game since he joined. Great signing. And that was a kind of feeling that was reiterated on the forum by quite a few Rangers fans. Yeah, one thing I, I fear about them is that Dunfermline showed at the weekend <laughs> is that they're, they're, starting to, they're starting to double up on him. And I think that if that teams are going to get wise to him and he's going to have to, he's going to, have to get past that, really. But but yeah, I have a brilliant signing for Rangers and value for money as well, considering he paid it. <laughs> You find more players that will buy themselves. <laughs> <laughs> so moving on to the next game is Celtic against Inverness. The game itself finished 1-0 to Celtic in the predictor. I went for a 2-1 victory. Laura, you went 3-0 and Chris went 2-0. And I think the big talking point that I want to, to mention because I think that it's, it's so farcical was uh, Mistorovich red card. I was listening to it on the on the radio, and there was disbelief from the commentator. He mentioned how Mustorovic had made a brilliant tackle, and then there seemed to be, oh wait a minute, oh oh no, oh he's blown for a free kick, oh no, it's a red card, and then the the crowd were booing, booing like anything. And then when Mustorovic was walking off, the, the commentator said he he started clapping the crowd as well. It seemed a bit a bit strange, but I watched the the replay on. The BBC online, I didn't manage to see sports scene, but online, I think they showed you two replays and you couldn't tell either way from both replays. So, Chris, I know you were at the game. What did you think seeing it live and did you manage to see it in sports scene? Did yeah, it change your be, mind? Uh, to be fair, I think I had the best angle because I was behind the goal that he was running towards and it's, you could see clearly for that angle, but then obviously the referee doesn't have the same angle. Did you not have a flag you could have waved? 
<laughs> well, the linesman did, and he never. Yeah. Well, that was what I was going to mention. That was just quickly before you do your thing. The only thing I was going to say on the game was the decision, and actually in the replay from the referee's angle, just I think it's the wrong decision, clearly, but from his angle, it's hard to tell that Mysorovic um, got the ball. So maybe yeah. the linesman, if the linesman is across the other side, if you know which side I mean, the side where the ball was, <laughs> the right-hand side when I'm looking at the highlights, if the linesman's that side, then maybe he should see it. But I just, my only thing we'd maybe mentioned that maybe it's difficult for the referee being behind the play like that. When I looked at his the replay of his angle, it does look like Mastorovic just takes a man out. Yeah. Yeah, it does. I agree with that. Yeah, but what I was he doing? That, uh, the referee had, had some really horrendous decisions throughout the game, and that would just seem to be the sort of icing in the cake as far as uh, his performance went. Oh, the Williams yellow card. The first one was like I watched it a couple of times in the highlights, and I was like, "What did he book him there for? <laughs> I don't understand why he booked him there for." But did he get I too much? I think that was a yellow card. I think it was a very silly lunge. Well, the first one was quite as silly as the second one, mind you. I, I didn't. Geez, I, I, again, must watch too much Ian Black. First one, I, I can. I thought he maybe got too much of the ball or something. You weren't allowed to. I don't know. It's, it was meaty. It was. It was aggressive. So but bad. I think that he got the ball. I think. I think it's his. Was it nice trailing leg? He, he wins the ball. He's right foot, and then he lifts his left leg up. Yeah. And clearly clips. Um, I'm not sure who it was. Hooper maybe. Hooper. Um, but to, to be fair to that, Hooper got up and, and didn't make too much of it. And it looked like a. Like a real, uh, a real torrid, a real torrid tackle. So I can, I can see why he was booked for that one. Not so much the the right leg, but certainly the left leg coming up and caught him. But the second one, uh, the second one was just a dicey. Great bit of skill for Samaras in the line. Surely those tackles were just, uh, just that was the norm back in the day, were they not, Greg? It was just. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I, I suppose you know, if you roll the roll the clock back a few years, but um, nah, I mean, uh, did they have shin guards back then? Well, you know, I used to play one of these laced up footballs. So I don't really too much about it. I think I used to have your socks rolled down. Um, but I mean, the second one, I, I, he knows he's been booked, so why do something stupid like that? It makes, makes the, the referee's um, job easy, you know. And I don't know who it was. Was it uh, was was, um, sent off first? Was Celtic the man sent off first? Yeah, yeah. it was, yeah. Probably so just, yeah. Probably just evening up the score then. 17 minutes between the two sendings off? Yeah, he's probably just evening up the cards, and it's an easy one to. Flash another yellow. Uh, actually, on the the the, no, uh, the time, some point in the game, about 60, 65 minutes, the clock in the stadium stopped for about three or four minutes. So when it got to like the eighty-six minute, the board went up, and it was just a stunned silence around the stadium. <laughs> three minutes. We've still got three minutes of regular time to play. <laughs> Could they not have just put the clock? Caught it up. They turned the clock off a couple of minutes after that. All right. You think they would have been able just to add four minutes to the clock, surely? After they realised it'd been off. Yeah, it was a it was a very bizarre feeling just because we like, obviously we'd been hanging on for the the seventeen minutes, but when we had ten men, and I remember thinking that the first ten minutes of that seemed really long. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder it was actually about thirteen, fourteen minutes. So I so moving on to the next game, which was. Oh, we talked about the goal. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> the, the goal itself for the, the, the one Celtic at the game was a wonderful move. It's probably the best move of the game, actually. It was a, a lovely time. It was just to watch James Forrest running in and looking up and having three do- different options he could play the ball to and having time to think, yeah, 
Joel Edley's the best option. Managed to play this perfect ball into him and it was pretty much a tap in after that. Yeah, you're not going to get an easier goal than that. Joel thought it was a great thought it was a great touch for Brown in the lead up to it as well. Really nice first touch. Pass into Forrest, pass. Really made it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he obviously had to time it right as well because the Forrest had been in the way or getting the pass, he'd have been offside. Was that no Hooper as well that started it off at the halfway line? Yeah, Hooper got it for Brown, yeah. The same Joe Ledley who Craig would have dropped from his lineup. <laughs> According to. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Aye, thanks for reminding me, Laurie. Yeah, I, I had lately. He was dropped. I can't remember who I dropped him for. Stokes. Aye. Stokes up front and then put Samaras out on the left. Aye. That's why you're not manager. Well, that's why Lennon's there and no me. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Right, so can I move on to the, the Hibs Aberdeen game? Can we just go past that to come on at Carts? No. no. <laughs> we're, we're, we're not going to skip past this one because the BBC, I don't know if you've seen it online. They described it as an exciting draw with chances galore. <laughs> so, so it was 0-0. I'm not sure if it was an exciting draw, but there was plenty of chances. In the predi- wasn't bad. Aye, in the predictor, I went 2-0 to Hibs. Laurie, the high B, went 1-0 to Hibs. And Chris, you went 1-0 as well. But aye, it, it seemed an okay draw. Uh, I don't think you could call it a boring draw, but I'm not sure about calling it exciting. But I suppose uh, the BBC need to bum it up a bit to get uh, get folk to watch. Bum it up. It looked, looked like there was a load of huffing and puffing, but it, it looked like two sides that could have played until the end of next week and still no scored. You're right, there were chances, but, but some of the finishing was, was was not great to say the least. But I suppose from Hibs' point of view, it's positive because they at least seem to be a wee bit more fight in them, a wee bit more determination. <laughs> they, didn't, and... they didn't lose. They didn't lose a point at home, and Aberdeen again. I, I think that's just I don't know. They seem to be stuttering a wee bit at the moment as well. So it's not really what they need before going down to um, Dumfries for a for a cup tie. But yeah, I mean it's it's one of these games that you can probably just bypass garbage. <laughs> <laughs> Possibly the highlight of the game was when uh, the Hibs boy jumped up and punched the ball, then the rest of his teammates going for a penalty. Aye, that was um, a dodgy one. So. I'll follow, follow Laurie's leading and move on to the, the Kelly against Hearts. You want to talk about this game either, to be honest, but... <laughs> <laughs> we can go back to the Hibs against Aberdeen if you want. I'll just go to next week's game. So, uh, <laughs> uh, the, the match itself finished one each. In the predictor, I went 2-1 to Hearts. Laurie went 1-0 to Kilmarnock. So close as well, I was raging. But it's just <laughs> Chris went 0-0, so he would have got one point in the predictor. And I was watching the, the BBC online and they almost forgot about the match. It, it wasn't about the match to them, it was about the handshake. Is it going to be a handshake at the start? Is it going to be a handshake at the end? Oh, forget the Suarez ever incident. This, I, this was more important. I'm bored to death with handshake sto- stories. It's just, can we just put it behind us and talk about football, really? If it wasn't Evra and Suarez, it was the John Terry and the Wayne Bridge a couple of months ago or it was the obviously Shields and Sergio this time depends which depends which Shields you're talking about because he went and shook Dean Shields hand and then said oh, something but then oh, Shields well, Sergio says that Shields said something to him so I don't know but the other nonsense is do you know what I hate is this rubbish that you have to shake hands all the players shake hands before the game it's all about respect everyone shake hands before the game and then whilst you're playing, you can call each other what you want. You can kick each other. You can dive. You can handball. You can claim for everything. You can confront the ref. You, what, what, what does it matter? That's like saying that 
you know, but if you're going to go and murder someone, you'll shake their hand before it, and it's a bit of respect before you do. It doesn't, it doesn't mean anything. Shake hands after the game, and I mean, they're focused on it after the game. How many footballers probably don't shake each other hand at full time because they don't get on? You, you're not going to focus on every single one to see who doesn't shake their hand. I don't like Kenny Shields particularly. I think he says some stupid things. He's entitled to say them. Some people don't like Sergio. I quite like some of his, his responses. Bottom line, he didn't want to shake his hand. He thinks that Kenny Shields has been criticising him too much. Big deal. You know, he doesn't want to shake his hand. What is it better to make a fake handshake? You know, pretend that you want to shake his hand and do it. Who cares? It's just whatever. See, the, the problem is, though, if, if we don't talk about the handshake, we're going to have to talk about the game. Yeah. And the game is rubbish. Yeah. <laughs> so for me, for me, the handshake was a highlight. Yeah. You know, two, uh, two, two poor sides grinding it. I looked, what looked like a pretty poor draw. Yep. Rubbish draw. We can't attack, even when we were a man up and stole a point, but I thought it papered over the cracks, in all honesty. I thought the header was good for the equaliser. Ah, yeah, but, you know, we need, to, positive. we need to create more chances, especially against 10 men, to be honest. So, yeah, I'm not I'm not entirely impressed. Away from home, you know, before I would have taken a 1-1 draw, but the fact we had a man up for so long... I didn't. I thought it was maybe a bit of a harsh red card as well, if I'm honest. For them, I thought the Hamill one was justified. I didn't personally. I wouldn't have sent off the Killy player for his challenge, but you know me, I'm quite lenient on tackles. I wasn't sure Hamill's uh, his first booking. Oh yeah, his first what did one. He, do? He, oh, yeah, he stood up, it's... and for some reason, the fourth official kind of panicked a bit and jumped in and tried to split them up. He maybe got was... confused for a minute. I thought it was Ian Black because usually. If Ian Black gets tackled, then he has to get booked as well to even it up. So they maybe just got a bit confused. They thought it was Ian Black because it was a Hearts player who got annoyed at something. But no. did, they, did, they, did they normally get it for? I, 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 I kind of I don't want to call it a stamp, but when you watch a tackle get in, um, he's, he's jumped up. But often when you see players jump up, they'll come down maybe knee first or sideways first. And Hamill didn't he come down foot first, and it looked as though he's maybe caught. The command up there, right in the midriff. Whether whether the fourth officials had a better view of that than having the TV camera, watch it a couple of times because I did. It looks as though he's, he's, he's landing his feet. <laughs> I mean, you don't you don't think you land with your feet first? I mean, it's it looked a wee bit, it looked a wee bit naughty to me. And that's the only that's the only thing I could think of as to why he would be booked because I don't see him getting booked for squaring up to the guy. That's unlikely. Right, we'll move on to the the next game, which is St Johnson against Dundee United. And uh, I knew that Dundee United would be overcome with complacency. <laughs> I knew it. I predicted it. And the game itself finished 5-1 to Dundee United. And a, a definite humping. I, th- I think the, the Peter Houston, I think he listens to the podcast. And he'd been upset. He'd, he'd heard that you hadn't edited out my cockiness remark. <laughs> and he's, he's, what he's done is he's somehow pinned that up on the dressing room wall. Not sure how you would do that with a podcast, but maybe he's put it on a, a wee blank tape and he's pinned that up onto the wall just as motivation. And the predictor ad went 1-1 following my complacency dig. And Laurie, you went 2-1 to Dundee United. Chris, you went 2-1 to the home team. So I, I looked, at, looked at a good game and Dundee United could be on the up coming at a good time of the year when... I was speaking to Jimmy Gomez, a guy on the, the forum, a Dundee United fan, and uh, I was mentioning to him that with teams looking like they're, they're, they don't really fancy third place, I think this could be a, a good year to, to be challenging. Well, Motherwell are looking like they're, they're sitting 
I was going almost to say, comfortable. I, I was going to see we've almost got it in the bag there. No, see, we've got we've got three easy games coming up next week. Full no points for that. Full no points for that, and I'm calling it. <laughs> Peter Engelman's rubbish. I always said Peter Engelman's rubbish. The I think, thing is, he can be really good. He can make a save, he and you just and you're reminded save, how good he is. Crap, he's... Oh yeah, he's one of those players that either has a great game or an absolutely dreadful game. I seen him at Celtic Park earlier this season. He had a fantastic game against us, and then I seen him in the highlights last night, and just it was horrendous. <laughs> so bad though at times. I I think he can make the odd decent save, and he he did against. I remember he did against us, but he's just, he's so many errors in him that I just don't think it makes up for it. And surprisingly, that was the only thing I was remembering I was going to say about this game. And apparently, he might be dropped for the Scottish Cup game. I think Lomas was apparently considering yeah. dropping him for the, the Alan Manis guy that they got from some Irish team, I remember. Totally forgot that they'd signed him. But in terms of the game, Jimmy Gomez, I'll just, since he's a United fan, he his post-match reaction was, was it the game today? I agree with Houston with the scoreline, maybe flattered us. First half, Saints probably edged in terms of possession, but United kicked on in the second, looked dangerous at the break every time. Gary Mackay Stephen was immense and ran Saints ragged in the latter stages. I hope they show I hope they show his moment of magic in the highlights uh, when he done two of the Saints players on the byline. Amazing bit of skill with the ball, and they did. I saw that. I was impressed. Oh, that was beautiful. Um, he also said, Paul Dixon's deliveries for Russell and Daly were sublime. Saints defending left a little to be desired at times. I don't think the keeper will have had such a bad day in the office in a long time. I predict us to kick on from last week, maybe not in such an emphatic style, and I'm quietly confident for the rest of the season, provided we can keep our main players fit. Kenneth went off injured in the first half. I'm hoping it's not too serious. So yeah, I remember how United ended last season. They clawed back 20 points on Hearts, so I think third. But remember, fourth place as well. Fourth place is potentially Europe, and if Rangers keep mucking up, then maybe even fifth as well, so... Champions League give me third place I know we criticise referees a lot but I want to praise Ian Brines because he rightly booked Croft for a dreadful dive in this oh, yeah. game as well oh, yeah. dive. Yeah. if you're going to dive I mean, you've might... got to make it a bit more convincing yeah I mean he did get the Nielsen on Craig one wrong unfortunately just after it but it does make a bit of a mockery of the diving though because that's Croft being booked for that as opposed to getting a two game ban or whatever it is you get for getting pulled up by the yeah. Exactly, aye. It's, why is that a different punishment for yeah. the same crime? Mm. Yeah, aye. Don't get me started on that. <laughs> so, moving on to the St Mirren against Motherwell game, which finished 0-0. In the predictor, I went for a 3-0 victory to Motherwell. Laurie went a 1-1 draw. Chris went a 2-2 draw. Now, <laughs> After saying I've talked this up too much, I've probably been on each. Yep, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, you're not allowed to give multiple predictions, Chris. No, so. no. But in the in the run up to this game on Twitter, Greg had mentioned something about Ojama, maybe a hat trick, eighty to one. So I ended up going on on the Ladbrokes, I think it was, or bet three six five, and I managed to get a hundred to one. And I thought, right, that's it. I'm going to put my money on this because I'd be a foolish not to. Greg's given the prediction, so I put my money on it. Aye, wait, 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 wait. Greg, how much? You... How much did you put on it? Tell me again. A lot of money. How much did you put on it? How much did you put on it? It was. It was. Tell me. How much did you put on it? Ten pence. <laughs> <laughs> but, but Greg, basically, you owe me that ten pence because it was. It was down the drain. 
I, I can't owe you ten pence. I'm already down a pound on it. Oh, <laughs> one, that's, one, that's, that's one. That's one. Ten. I went a pound on it. <laughs> I'm so confident. Big spender. I tell you uh, what, it's probably it's probably a week early. He's probably saving it for this coming week. Uh, you better believe it, Chris. I'm, I'm, on, I'm, I'm on him again at the weekend. I'm telling you, I'm on him. I'll come in with my prediction later on, but I'm, I'm on him big time at the weekend. But I'd, um, I, can, I, I watched the highlights. I, in fact, I listened to the, I listened to the whole game in the whole game in the radio, and it, it sounds like a it sounds like a game of two halves. Certainly, St. Mirren in the first half did the bulk of the play and the bulk of the chances. I don't think. I mean, Randolph had a couple of saves. I don't think either one. Um, but particularly troubling them, it saves you would expect it to make. Uh, switched the formation a wee bit second half, and Ajama seemed to get a wee bit more of the ball. And um, Higdon was unlucky; it was a good save um, from was it Samson that placed in there, and um, also Ajama as well uh, was unlucky. Another good save for the keeper. So a point probably, probably um, the right result in the end. And it's um, it's not a bad one for us. You know, I'll, I'll take a point on we travels at a stage of the season. So I thought we'd move on to look at the the games that are coming up in the the Scottish Cup, the the replays. They're all taking place tomorrow on Valentine's Day. So if they're not all taking place tomorrow, are they? So not one on Wednesday. I've got them. I've got them all tomorrow, but I could be wrong. But no, you're right. Air versus Falkirk's on Wednesday. You're right. Must be for a big TV deal or something, isn't it? That's it. <laughs> Aye. Although uh, Platini would be jumping up and down, even the thought of that. Can I have that? Uh, well, Hearts, uh, Hearts wanted to move their game with St. Johnson to Thursday, didn't they? For some TV thing, but we're not allowed to, apparently. All, all those Europa League fans who are going to watch what Man United and that or would turn over for St. Johnston Hearts. Can't have all that lost viewers, can you? Uh, you're not even allowed to play a game of sevens in a, a European <laughs> night. <laughs> so, I think, uh, I think so, we'd, I think, sorry, I would ask Mother to move there. The, the weekend game back as well to, to the Sunday to accommodate that and I think we told them we foxtrot Oscar <laughs> <laughs> so Hearts can get a couple of bobby TV money and you lose gate revenue dearie me right, so I thought we'd go through the, the games and, and give our predictions we'll just go for a uh, just who's going to win really rather than score lines so the first game up is Queen of the South versus Aberdeen I'm going to go for an, an away victory in this one. Bah. Yeah. <laughs> <Sheep>. <laughs> That's Pete's impression. There's a sheep. <laughs> I'm losing. That's all I've got left in the in the locker. Yeah, that was me predicting the sheep win. Come <laughs> <laughs> on, Greg. You, might, you know you want them to win. I don't care to be honest, because um, whoever gets through that's going to get a doing at Fair Park, so it's it, it's irrelevant. It's irrelevant at the moment. Um, I, I guess Aberdeen, I suppose it'll be it'll be um, it'll be nicer uh, sending Brun packing again. They <laughs> don't seem to be able to win against us at the moment, so I, I guess I guess probably Aberdeen, but I think I don't know. It might go extra time. Oh, you know what? I'll see it. Let's go Queen of the South. That's for a banner. Maybe a cup of romance. Oh, cup romance on Valentine's Day there, yeah, are you? That's the thought, My hometown, my hometown <laughs> team, I should back them, but I was born in Dumfries. Alright, that's, that's fact for the day there. <laughs> fact for the day. That explains a lot. <laughs> I, I, was going to, I was going to bring out a stat here that said Queen of the South I mean, have never beaten born in and Aberdeen have never beaten Queen of the South at Palmerston either. Apparently the two or three games that have been there have all been draws. 
There you are. Stato. Fantastic. <laughs> I think that's the first stat you've come out with so far, Chris. Today's episode, aye. Greg's, Greg's got you with his... Neil can have that one. That's my, my rugby park um, away attendance stat. Aye. The only reason a Motherwell fan knows how much they get away games is you can sit and count them all, isn't it? How many have we got this week? One, two... Oh, keep stacking them up, pal. Keep stacking <laughs> them up. I've done that once at a game. Hearts versus IBV Vestman Yar, and they had 12 away fans. <laughs> I was only a kid, so I was like, Dad, look, they got 12. I can't read them. Did you count how many Hearts fans were left in Tynecastle on Wednesday night? Aye, 26. <laughs> Aye, well, no me, because I wasn't there. <laughs> Right. <laughs> the next game up is Ross County against St Man. I'm going to go for a home one. Me too. I was just—I should have just made a sheep noise again. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll, I'll go home one as well. Aye, uh, Ross County for me. And the next game up it's is for someone else. <laughs> St John's. Well, Wendy's <laughs> off a quiet tonight. So <laughs> St Johnson against Hearts. I'm going to go for a home victory. I'm going to be optimistic. I'm, I'm told recently I'm being far too pessimistic. And uh, I'm going to go for a narrow hearts victory. I think uh, I think with those two goalkeepers on show, this could be this could be a high score in the fair, to be honest. Four all. Neither one looks, looks capable of keeping a clean sheet. <sighs> That's a, a tough one to call. Um, I think hearts might edge it. Hey... Would I be right in saying that Hearts went out on penalties to Air United in the League Cup? You just tried to rub it in. No, I'm just <laughs> thinking uh, this could, they could be going out on penalties again in this game. Like if I said to my dad, if it goes to penalties, we should just go home. Save, yeah. us, save, ourselves, <laughs> save ourselves an extra 10 minutes of misery because we can't score penalties. If, Get the tea lady on to take a penalty. <laughs> if it goes to penalties, we're out, put it that way. Yeah, we, we've not scored last four penalties from open play and if you include the United I think it's last six technically we've not scored <laughs> so yeah we can't take penalties it'd be really funny if at some point Hearts it gets to extra time and Hearts go down to 10 men and they play for penalties and <laughs> 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 the Hearts fans screaming no right, so you're going for a a home victory and penalties in Chris yeah right and on Wednesday night, after Laurie corrected me, it's Ayr against Falkirk. I'm going to go for an away victory. Aye, me too. Home victory for me. Well, I'm going to go for a draw and it'll go to a replay, because this is the only one that's no replay. Oh, it's no... It's, uh... I'm going to go away anyway, because I've said it anyway, and I don't care. <laughs> a draw. Right, so that's us done with the predictions. So I thought we'd look at the the Paul Band charity bet from last week, and Paul managed. Paul picked the following games. He, he picked Rangers, East Fife, Cowdenbeath, Arbroath, Clyde, and Berwick. My surely picked the bet. And the, the, <laughs> the standout prediction in this was for Berwick to to beat Allo. <laughs> Laurie, I remember you saying during the, the podcast that. You're questioning this, questioning the logic of Berwick uh, beating Alois. So when I was putting the bet on, I thought, right, I'll send Paul a message via Facebook. And he didn't get back to me. So I thought, right, OK, I'll just put on the bet just as he's told me to. 
and then he got back to me saying, oh, yeah, I meant to say Aloha. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then, in the end, Berwick managed to beat Aloha, and I think the only one that, that lost was East Fife. That was a loser, and we, we could have had £466 if it wasn't for East Fife letting us down. So Paul, but, Fifers, have they got no charitable nature in them? So Paul managed to do pretty well, uh, even if it was by accident. <laughs> so I thought uh, I couldn't get in touch with Paul this week to make his prediction. So I thought I would take on the challenge myself, and hopefully you can trust me with the with the money. And I'll read out my predictions. If anything sounds a wee bit out there, a wee bit dodgy, just shout and we'll we'll negotiate removing it. So I went for a couple of obvious ones. I went for Rangers to beat Kamarnak. No. <laughs> Dodgy. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, maybe after today. No, nah, not really. So I'm happy with that. That's fine. <laughs> I got odds of two to seven, which is rubbish. That is rank. Yep. I went for Celtic to beat Hibs, which is one to three. What do you object to that? Oh, yeah, he's not going to be happy. <laughs> Next game up, I went for Ross County at home to air. Ross County to win that. I got odds of 4 to 11. I then went for Cowden Beath at home to beat Albion. Uh, I got odds of 2 to 5. I went for Queen's Park to beat Easterling. And that's odds of 1 to 2. And also went for Dundee to beat Queen of the South at odds of 10 to 11. All in, the odds are, and I'm going to switch from fractions to decimal, odds are 9.37 for the accumulator there. So I thought that's a, a decent a decent return. It's, it's not as good as last week's potential, but I think we've got a good chance if we go with that. Any, any changes you, you suggest, any... Additions, go with that. Sounds good to me. Aye, right. I'll go with that then, and hopefully we can. The Paul band can get some money for charity. The the Craigie charity bit this week. <laughs> <laughs> See how well I do. So I thought we'd look at the the SPL games coming up this weekend, and the the first game up on Saturday is Dundee United against St Mirren. And prediction wise, I'm gonna I'm gonna forget my complacency comment from last week, and I'm gonna go for a Dundee United victory again. I'm gonna go for a an easy victory because they're at home. I'm gonna go for a three 0 I'll go two 0 Same reasons, pretty much. I'll go. I'm gonna go one each. I don't. I'm not convinced Dundee United have, have turned the corner, uh, and Sutton still posing me a bit of threat. So score drop. No, nah, we with with cocky players like Mackay Stephen, I think it's gonna be the United win. Three one. St Martin's away for us, not exactly great either. So Yeah. So next game up is Dunfermline against Inverness and I think Dunfermline's badness is gonna continue and I'm gonna go for a two 0 victory to Inverness. Yeah. Three one Inverness. Inverness two 0 I'm not sure where Inverness are going to get the goals from. They never really troubled us in the previous two games, and I was trying to work out who would actually score for them. So I'm going to say one each. This is against Dunfermline, don't forget. Yeah, I know. I could score against Dunfermline. But <laughs> Lee McCullough scored against Dunfermline. 
Oh, that was quite a good goal. That was a karate kick. A karate kick. (laughs) Was. So what did you say? 1-1, Chris? Aye. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying that as an aye. The next game up is Motherwell against Hearts. I think Motherwell are going to win this. I don't think Hearts are going to get anything from this. Hmm. Score-wise, I'm not too sure. I'm going to... Greg's hinting at an Ojama hat-trick. I'm not sure if it's going to be that good. I'm going to go for a a 2-1 victory to Motherwell. 2-1 going on 2-0. 2-1 going on 2-0? Yep. That's silly. I don't know. (laughs) I want to be more optimistic, but... I never liked going to Fir Park, even when we were good. Um, I don't... That was a while ago. Uh, <laughs> at least we were good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> nice <start out. laughs> uh, Just, oh God, I'm going to have to back cars just now. I'm going to go, what did I go in the St. Johnson? Oh, I didn't give a score for the St. Johnson one. I'm going to go, I'm going to go two. N- oh, can we keep a clean sheet with Jay McDonald? <laughs> oh, didn't you laugh? Although you have got a better keeper than us. Uh, 2-1. Maybe Kel will vote the right way this week and he'll get back in. I'm going to go 2-1 Hearts. Someone, I've got to vote for it. I've got to go with Hearts. I'm going to go with Hearts and against Hibs for a change. <laughs> 2-1 Hearts. Nah, it's, it's 4-0 Mother. It's a, it's a, it's a, a Jamma hat trick and a Keith Lasley looper. I'm not coming on next week if it's 4-0 Motherwell. 4-0 Motherwell. I can take 4-0 Celtic, but I'm not taking 4-0 Motherwell. Watch, boy. Somebody's going to get it up there just shortly. (laughs) I'm not coming on. I'm I'm not coming next week if Motherwell beats 4 (laughs) And then if a Jamma scores this hat-trick and I've got this 10 pence on it, I might not be coming on either. I might be on my holidays. I still remember Motherwell beat us 6-1. I've had nightmares for weeks. There was actually, I, I remember, I remember that season well for a number of reasons. But um, it was the, the marketing people at Motherwell and the people who worked in the club shop had a great idea of bringing out uh, commemorative mugs, marking <laughs> significant, <laughs> significant victories, and, and that was one of them. One of the guys at work still got that. And um, but they also, I, I think it was every win they brought a mug out first. We ended up with a commemorative mug, mug of Motherwell <laughs> and Fairmont now. <laughs> I think there was much uptake in that, to be honest. <laughs> oh dear, no, I'm going for 2 0 because that's a rubbish away for him. Yeah, right. Unless it's at Easter Road, of course. Everyone wins Easter Road. <clears throat> ah, hopefully. <laughs> so, the next game up is Rangers against Kilmarnock. And Rangers have made uh, the signing of the, the young pup, Daniel's cousin. I think he's going to come with goals. He's definitely going to he's definitely going to improve the the strike force. I think the Rangers are going to win this. I think they've got goals in them. I still don't know where they're coming from, but they've got goals in the team, as was shown at the weekend. There, I'm going to go for three 0 to Rangers. <laughs> Emphatic victory. Jean Claude Darcheville going to get re-signed as well. There's going to be dancing in the streets. Marco Marco Negri's on the bench for Saturday, just in case. Philip Sebo. I think Rangers will still win, even though they'll be liquidated soon. Um, not that I can say anything. Hardly support a financially stable team. <laughs> Rangers to win two one. I agree, I think. 
It'll be too strong for Kamarnock. I'll go 3-1. I'll say 2-0 to Rangers, I think. Uh, just Kamarnock haven't really been firing all cylinders, and I think the loss of Pascal is going to be a big blow for them. I can see Kamarnock slipping away for uh, the, the sort of fight for the top six, actually. So moving on to Sunday, and we've got two games on Sunday. It's I don't know if Sky Sports are going to describe it as a, a super Sunday. No. I'm not sure if they'll go that far. No. But the, 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 the first game up at 12.45 kickoff is Aberdeen <laughs> against St. Johnson. Super Sunday written all over it. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go for, I think because the, the FA Cup's on, so I think Sky's not got any other games, so that's all <laughs> we could put on. Aye, the Tiddlywinks Championship, it's out of season, so. And they picked Aberdeen St. Johnson. Surely you'd have picked Motherwell Hearts. You would think so. Oh, well, they made their choice, so I'm going to go for an, an away victory in this one. I'm going to go for a 2-0 to St. Johnson. 1-1. One, one. I think Aberdeen have turned the corner, but they're still not that good. St. Johnston are generally a bit better on the break away from home. So, yeah, I'd go 0-0, but I don't like to predict the same score that a game was the last time they played, which doesn't really make much sense but um, <laughs> Aberdeen won St Johnston won yeah I'm going to go the same one each I, I agree I don't I don't think either side are really um, really showing much promise just now so they'll probably cancel each other out one each Aberdeen haven't really been conceding um, they've not really been scoring either and I can see that <laughs> being the reoccurrence here I'm going now now. And the next game up in the, the Super Sunday is Hibs against Celtic with a kick-off at 3 o'clock. I'm going to go for a Celtic victory. I can't see past them at all. Is this going to be the potentially their 17th win in a row, Chris? 18th. Their 18th. <laughs> right, yep. OK. That's it. I'm going for Celtic. And I'm going to go for a 3-1. Because I do think Hibs have got goals in them, but just not enough in this case. I just realised that I'm just going to totally contradict myself and I'm going to say 2-0 Celtic because that was the score last time they played in this picture. <laughs> <laughs> I, I only just realised that as I was looking at the score. Maybe you I... stick to your guns, Laurie. <laughs> at, least, at least I'm consistent. Eh? You know what, if you want to be strictly speaking here, the last time they played at Easter Road it was 4-1 to Celtic in the league. Oh, cup. it's okay then. Oh, no, it's okay. Yeah, you can go for 2-0. Uh, it's fine. Uh, it's fine, I'll go with 2-0 then. 2-0 Celtic. 4-0 uh, Celtic for me. I think they'll do the same to Hibs as they did to Hearts and batter them in the middle of next week. So 4-0. Uh, I'm still not that confident. <laughs> I don't think I'm going for 3-1. <laughs> right, 3-1 Hibs. Right, okay. I, th- I think Fenland's doing a reasonable job of turning Hibs around. I don't think they're that great. I don't think they're going to be that great anytime soon, but they seem to be starting to head in the right direction. The two clean sheets in the last two games have been good, but then they have come against teams that haven't really been scoring recently. Uh, I think in the end, Hibs are thankful to Dunfermline are because Dunfermline are rotten. Do you want to hear a stat? That's Go for it. First time in 12 matches I've predicted Hibs to lose. <laughs> <laughs> That's wrong. <laughs> That was probably the last time they played one of the probably the last time they played Celtic, I predict them to lose. And they didn't. Straight <laughs> enough, right? It was nothing. <laughs> so uh, this has got to the end of the predictions. Alright, if I give a, a wee plug to some work I was doing on the, the SPL predictor on the no, forum. No. It's not a free for no. all. Just 
<laughs> so I, I created uh, uh, some new mini league functionality on the predictor so you can create a new mini league for your, your friends, your, your schoolmates <laughs> and you can uh, set that up. So if you just go to forums.scottishfootballforums.co.uk and then click the SPL predictor link and then there should be a link in there called mini leagues and you can call your mini league anything as long as it's not deemed offensive that's the rules that i've set up <laughs> you deleted my so, one that was called tits and bums i did I that's did. not offensive <laughs> no no that was test data so it's all right, all right okay. that's why i removed it but yeah chris I'm, I'm a bit disappointed because you were meant to be uh, the the starter this week but I think mm-hmm. that the lorries come out with a couple, Greg's come out with a belter. So uh, you must try harder for I, next I made you an intro and everything. <laughs> well, what did you want me to say? I mean, I came out with Dunny Wright's 5 1 win was the biggest away win of the season. That's, that's good. That's good. That, uh, that, that took away from the fact that Celtic had won 4 0 three days previous. <laughs> <laughs> but then it just sounded like I was rubbing it in again, you know. But then the thing is, the person that I'm really disappointed with this week is Laurie, because he promised so much with his impression of Kenny Shields, and then he came out with his impression of Yoda, and as yet, we've heard a sheep. That's it! Which was pretty... It was a good sheep. It was a good sheep. Yoda was an accident! (laughs) So, so where's where's this week's impression? That's that's it. You can't just ask on a whim, you know, they have to come naturally. I'm not like a performing monkey. <laughs> <laughs> what you can see is he's shaking Kenny Shields' neck outside of the, <laughs> the podcast. I see. Just... Right, so I'm wanting an impression for next week. All right. That's your homework. They can't give me impression homework. They're not good. They need to have one accidentally so you can laugh at how bad they are. If people are on the spot, then I feel the pressure to actually make them sound convincing. Yoda was good, but that was just an accident. If I'd thought about it, it would have been rubbish. <laughs> right, so that's, that's us got to the end of the podcast then. But thanks for coming on, Laurie. Thanks for being uh, my partner in crime once again. You are welcome. <laughs> and thanks a lot, Chris and Greg, for coming on. Aye, no, no, no bother, Craig. I'll, I'll, I'll probably be co-hosting next week, given that Laurie's not going to be. <laughs> for the podcast, so give me a shout early with the topics and whatnot, and I'll I'll I'll, I'll, I'll make a good fist of co-hosting. Aye, I will look forward to that, Greg. As long as you change your Skype, <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll see what I can do for you, Laurie. I'll I'll, I'll see you on Saturday down at the station about half two. Remembering, remembering where your trainers, pal. <laughs> I wear my trainers in my Burberry cap, <laughs> my Stone Island jumper. <laughs> Right, thanks a lot guys. Cheers. Thanks. Bye. Cheers. Bye. Bye.